Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com Welcome back to Little Cuts, our weekly mini-sode where we dig into the things that we've been watching and or playing recently. I'm Terry. And I'm Mary Beth. And this week we are talking about possessed kids. Oh, sorry. Possessed friends. Hawkins. Gay paradise for a certain subset of gays. And a gorgeously shot pre-code horror movie. Yeah. And I mean. So we're obviously we are this is coming out the week that the horrendous mass shooting happened in Texas. We're not, we're all not doing great, Mm-mm. I'm assuming. And I don't know, fuck guns. <laughs> yeah. This is my professional thing. Fuck lawmakers. Yeah, I know it's not productive to say that, but sometimes it's all you can say because this is, this was pretty, I feel like this was pretty avoidable at this point in America. And, um, I don't know. Yeah. I'm just really angry and sad, and I feel I know I have baby cousins in elementary school and in middle school. Like, I cannot believe this is a real thing that kids have to fucking worry about these days. Yeah. And that it's, I think is fucked me up so much. I was I was thinking today that I, it's it's really sad that we haven't really had to deal with this over the last couple of years as much, simply because of COVID and being stuck at home where shit like this wasn't happening and it's like i don't know it's just it's it's very frustrating well and it's the second one this week yeah. or no not this week but like in the pa- almost in the a last, week because yeah. not last weekend but the weekend before was the shooting in buffalo new york where someone just yeah. walked into a supermarket and like i don't know i, I i'm pretty fucking tired of being so sad and like 
I don't know. Like I lost and a helpless. friend. I, I lost someone I knew at a mass shooting in Annapolis when the, someone shot up the Capitol Gazette. That mm-hmm. was my hometown newspaper. And like one of my fr- one of someone I went to high school's mom died. Like yeah. I grew up with her. Like this shit just is insidious. And I don't really understand lawmakers at all. And I don't think it's hard to fix it. You know what I mean? Like England, like everywhere has these laws. And so we're going to make it hard for people to get access to abortions and for formula to feed their babies. But we're going to make it really easy to walk in and get a gun. It's just like so backwards. It's so fucking backwards. And it pisses me off. That's an understatement, but like, I don't even know how else to put it. (laughs) I just, I'm just heartbroken right now. And I, I just, I felt that, you know, it's just, we need to recognize that right now. We're, we're, you know, here to entertain and, and talk and, you know, try to build community. But, you know, it's it's hard when shit like this happens. So and we're all fucking hurting. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. and I think we should at least be honest about that. I feel like we live we live in a society, but we live in like a society where people aren't really allowed to grieve at all, yeah. like anything. And mm-hmm. I think we should be given the space to grieve this kind of thing. At least acknowledge it. I feel like in a lot of places, like in the workplace, people are like, well, we can't talk about politics. I'm like, this isn't right. poli- like, this isn't, inha- I, I believe that this, like, school shootings are an inherently political issue. I don't care what, like, old white guys say about politicizing it. Like, it is a political thing at this point. Like, there isn't divorcing it. But, like, I think you should at least be able to acknowledge, like, hey, I'm not doing so hot. And, like, I need to take a break. And I right. wish that was more acceptable in this, in this world. Instead of getting, like, ashamed for not being able to, like turn off your brain and be a robot right. compartmentalize everything i worked in a field where that was encouraged hmm. and let me tell you everyone that worked there was very unhappy <laughs> yeah so yeah but we are sending love to everybody we are sending mm-hmm. love if you are in texas and in a big city please go donate blood they really yeah. need blood so if you are able to donate blood, please do. Um, we can put this in the show notes. There's a GoFundMe page for the families affected by the shooting. So please, yeah. if you have the ability to donate, please do or at least share it if you can't donate. So yeah, just trying to do a little bit of good with the little platform that we have. Possessed friends. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. We're, we're, uh, sorry to start off on a downer, everyone. It's just, uh, yeah, like Mary Beth said, need to... To recognize it and recognize how we're feeling. But something that has been good this week for me is playing Evil Dead the game. Oh, cool. Yeah. And uh, so for those that don't know, this is a game that just came out. Um, I think it came out the 13th, Friday the 13th, um, two weeks ago. And it is uh, a game that was it's released everywhere. PlayStation 4, 5, Xboxes, the PC... Um, Nintendo Switch eventually, supposedly. Um, but it's kind of like that the subset of games we've seen recently, like uh, Friday the 13th or like Dead by, by Dead by Dawn or like Dead by Daylight, games like that. And where it's like one person versus a group of people. And in this case, it is Evil Dead themed. And so one person takes the the control of the, the spirits that is you know, summoning deadites and doing all that kind of stuff. And it's actually kind of cool because it has like the camera angles, like the camera style of in, in like evil dead where Sam Raimi like zooms across the land. You are literally that zoomer across the land and you can like possess, uh, if people get scared enough, um, they have like a fear meter and you can possess 
the people to hack at your friends. You can like possess a tree to like whack people. You can like uh, summon portals to summon deadites. You can trap booby trap uh, chests that people go to for supplies or like little those little tiny ashes from um, I think it's from the army of dead army of darkness jump out and will grab people. There's a lot of like silly stuff like that. And it's, I love that though. I love that they lean into the silly with the game. I love that. It's very thematic. It's definitely, it feels like it feels like an evil dead. And that's and it, it matches that kind of hilarity and 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 horror. Uh, the ghost can like possess a, your car that you're driving, and so it, like everyone all of a sudden exits the car, and the car just can take off running because it's possessed. So, so it's just like, can you play? So it's because it's it's co-op, right? You have to play with mm-hmm. other people. Okay, so yep. then so okay, it's, so it's almost like that other game. Um, never mind, forgot the name. So you you're playing with what like four other people and like you and you're each a person and then you can be the ghost hunting everybody it's um a four four v one so it's a five person game but there's a lot of modes one of them is if you don't have a fifth player you can play four people against an ai um ghost that that does all the stuff instead of having someone play it you can make like private matches for just your friends you can go public that kind of stuff um so like yeah and then the characters each have their own class there's like characters pulled from um, the Evil Dead movies, not the remake, unfortunately, um, but also the uh, Ash versus the Evil Dead uh, t- uh, TV oh, series. Okay. Uh, some of the characters from there you can play as, and they all have like classes and they have special abilities. Like one person can heal the group. Your uh, hunter type class can do more damage. So there's like these classes with characters and they all have special abilities and you're basically running around trying to find the best equipment and upgrading your equipment and trying to find a map that leads you to the pages to get the pages, get the Kendarian dagger and eventually like sever the ties to the world, to the the Uh... spirit world. And I played with a bunch of friends, some former guests of the show. I played with Greg Mucci, who was on the show before. And uh, I played with Freddie Carlini of Mixtape Massacre, who was on the show. And I played with a bunch of, bunch of friends over the weekend. And it was, um, it was a blast. It was, it was, it's just, this is a fun game. I've played like I played. I have not played Dead by Daylight, but I played uh, Friday the Thirteenth, and I honestly think this is a much uh, better game. Oh, uh, so how long does a match like how long does a match usually? I'm playing in a match, but like how long does it usually mm-hmm. take? Um, if I remember correctly, there's a timer for thirty minutes, and and the survivors have oh, to get everything done. Okay, cool. In thirty minutes, um, um, that's dangerous though, because you're like, oh, it's only thirty minutes, and like, oh, we'll do it one more time, and then you keep doing it, and then you're like, and then oh, it's what? two in the morning in the when morning. you stop playing, <laughs> which was me Saturday night. We started, I started at like, I think eight my time, and it was almost oh, two by the time it quit. But it's so easy to do that with a game like mm-hmm. that. Because you think of friends, and like you're all laughing, and it's like a silly, a sillier kind of experience. Yeah, it was just, it was, it was a lot of fun, and it honestly Hell was yeah. one of the the best times playing a game recently so uh shout out to that game for sure it's it's surprisingly polished we fucking need that right now we need some kind Mm -hmm. of thing to bring us joy so yeah i you know and if people want to play you know hit me up and we'll see if i can play because i i enjoy it it's a lot of fun and it has cross play so anyone can play with anyone system agnostic PlayStation 5 people can because like I was the only PC gamer and I was playing with some P- PS5 people so oh I love that oh that's so nice I feel like that's like the biggest pain in my ass because mm-hmm. I a lot of my people I know play PC and I don't have a PC <laughs> yeah 
don't have fun of I don't have a good one of those. Just put it that way. But yeah, it's a lot of fun. Highly recommended. Um But from possessed friends to uh Hawkins, I want to hear about Stranger Things because I have I have not watched any of season four. Not asked for the screeners, so So I've watched all seven episodes of Stranger Things season four. Volume one. Volume one, right. Volume one. It's good. <laughs> yeah. Is it? Yes, I need to finish my review, but I I like okay, I'm a Stranger Things fan. I've mm-hmm. always liked Stranger Things. I'm always like binge I would like binging it like when it comes out immediately. I love it, etc. Um I feel like it was getting a little long in the tooth. I liked season three, but there were parts of it where I was like, uh oh. Like it's maybe it's collapsing under the weight of its own kind mm-hmm. of like hype. I'm not sure. Uh, and then the season said, shut up, bitch. Um, and <laughs> it is way more horror mm. than we've seen before. Um, more, It's like horror like the first, but even more, I think. I think they really lean into even more creatures and gore and like the scope. Basically, the scope of this show is even bigger than it has been because – like we've always done like the interdimensional stuff and there's been stuff going on like across state lines with 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 um with 11 but this one is just so much bigger and especially because whatever is in hawkins is now leaking into like the rest of the town like it isn't just this core group of little traumatized teenagers anymore it's like and i have a hard time talking about it because this show does feel like six different movies like this season it feels like there are six different genres of movie going on oh wow which okay i thought was going to be a problem for me but it actually works really well i think there are parts where tonally it gets a little bit confused because like over here is one storyline that's like a russian spy thriller with a little bit of comedy over here is <laughs> right. like halloween kill satanic panic storyline oh. down here is like a ghost story down here is like conspiracy theory Eleven world. So there's like a lot of disparate storylines, which again, I know is not unusual for Stranger Things, but here it does feel like different genres of movie and horror movie kind of branching off, but they all come to, they're all starting to come together at the end of seven, because obviously we have volume two in July, but they start coming together in a really interesting way that I was really surprised by. Because the first two episodes, I was like, okay, cool. The kids are in high school and they're sad. Like, what's going on here? (laughs) Well, that's what I thought it was going to be. Like, you know what I mean? They were like, Mm -hmm. the kids have had trauma. I'm like, yeah, these kids have seen some shit. Like, these children have gone into other dimensions. (laughs) One of their friends is a psychic government experiment. Like, and they're just going to high school. Like, everything is fine. Like, that always makes me laugh about this show. They think the father figure is dead. Like, there's a lot trauma and they're just like talking about like how casually oh yeah we were at the battle of starcourt mall and like this thing came out of the ground and now we're just like gonna go to basketball practice like it is a little (laughs) bit silly at first and then it subverts that really quickly which i was happy about because i was like is this gonna be cheese because like Mm. it can very easily get into cheese and i think the first two episodes are like kind of cheese like have the like the cheesy elements there's obviously horror but like i think it is a little bit leading into like high school and then that all goes away pretty quickly thank god for me i was happy that happened but it's got like hellraiser nightmare on elm street vibes like we're going into people's heads and dreams and shit like tapping into their biggest fears it's it's really good i was really surprised how much i liked it yeah it's and then it's like i I, it's the only thing i watched this week because every episode is like increasingly (laughs) long long. like we all saw the run times 
on Twitter. Mm-hmm. So every episode was like, it's almost watching a movie. And so I was like, I don't have time to watch anything else but Stranger Things. But I wasn't mad about it. So highly recommend. If, if you're a Stranger Things fan, obviously you're going to like it. If you have been kind of, and I don't know about you, Terry, I don't know like where you are, but like if you've been kind of like, hmm, Stranger Things, I don't know where it's going kind of thing like it's kind of like wearing it like wearing away it's welcome what is that fucking phrase overstaying it's welcome overstaying it's yeah i was like wait that, that sounded right but it wasn't quite right <laughs> uncanny valley almost of words it, it could i i was feeling like maybe it was starting to overstay it's welcome a little bit mm-hmm. but with the two year two or three years since it's passed three or I think four it's been three i think it's been didn't it come out in 2019 didn't the last yeah, one come I was out still, i was still in chicago i i was moving back from chicago just after I finished season three. So that was 2019. No, not 2019. That was 2018. Chapter one of season three started in 19, July of 2019. No, it was 2019. I get 2018 and 2019 all mixed up in my head constantly. So it was, okay, it was 2019. So it's almost three years. Okay. It's ridiculous. I mean, they use that time to really put something pretty epic together. Um, mm-hmm. I will say that Will Byers' costume design is a crime against humanity with his weird haircut, and he looks like a <laughs> full-grown man. Like, most of them don't have this problem, but him and Eleven, like, someone just really did those guys dirty. Um, <laughs> it was like, he just looks so bad. He looks like such a weirdo. Please give him a different haircut. But I I was very surprised how much I liked it. I'm glad to hear it's good. Because, uh, like, I love season one. I did not like season two. Oh, really? And, yeah, I did not like season two. Season two is where they introduced someone from, was it New York or Chicago or something like that? Where, like, the, they oh, had where other like people goes, with powers. Yes. And then was season three, cause that, was that Sean Astin was in season two, right? Was it Bob? The boyfriend? Yeah, I believe, yeah, I believe Bob was in two. And then season three, I guess it all runs together and they all, yeah. And season three, I, I I thought was like, got it back on the right track and I really enjoyed season three. Okay, then you'll really like season four. So I'm looking forward to it. Um, that's kind of my, one of my weekend plans this weekend is to just binge watch me some Stranger Things. And it's easy to binge, I mean like, it's always easy to binge watch, but like this, this one I was like, I have to know. So that's Stranger yeah. Things season four. Awesome. I'm excited. I will more. Sorry, one more thing. It does feel like everything from season one to four is like it's all kind of circling back on itself in a really interesting way. Like hmm. they're taking all of the seasons and slowly bringing everything that's been going on together. Okay. Because I think what the season five is the last season, but I think I'm very interested to see how they're all they're bringing everything full circle and it's all kind of starting to make even more sense. Cool. And so, okay, so let's go from Hawkins, Indiana <laughs> to a gay paradise. That's uh, Hawkins, Indiana, I don't think is a gay paradise. But what is no. this? What is this piece of media about a gay paradise? Okay, so especially after, you know, everything that's been going on, I wanted something light and and hopefully frivolous to watch. And so I had a screener for the upcoming Fire Island movie, uh, which is hitting Hulu. <laughs> A week from the day this episode releases, but the embargo is up so I can talk about it. I'm forgetting the tra- like the trailers in my inbox and I was like, I love it. But like, I this is not for Dread Central. Like, I don't think that this is perhaps what our audience <laughs> is looking for. But I love I love that it exists. Yeah. So I've seen the trailer and I did not care for the trailer. And so I was a okay. little 
anxious about seeing the movie because I wasn't quite sure what we were getting. Because here's the thing. Fire Island, I've never been, but it conjures up images of rich, entitled, white, abs, handsome, sex. It's like where all the, the haughty white rich gays go to hang out. Exactly. And so I'm like... This is this movie going to even speak with me because I'm not I'm not like this is not my people. This is not my subset of of queerdom. But we're following uh, a group of people that probably feel they aren't welcome there. So there's um, Howie, who's played by Bowen Yang from SNL and uh, Joel Kim Booster, who is um, an Asian comedian in LA. He wrote the script and he is in it. It has Margaret Cho as their sort of like den mother that owns this house that she bought out of like a a settlement with some fast food chain that she found glass in her food or something. And so she used that to buy this, this property on Fire Island. She is like the kind of lesbian den mother for this this group of gays you know what exploit capitalist america and do that shit and make yourself a gay beautiful compound that's exactly what I like to see and of the group there is like one token white guy and the rest are asian um and hispanic and oh black there's a wow they're one so of the guys hot. So that is the thing. So like sorry. this definitely. I'm sorry. I'm at the, tri- the poster and like they're off. Uh-huh. Like they try to make them look like they don't fit in, but they're still really hot. But that's not a bad thing. <laughs> no, I mean that. So that is that is that, and that is the trailer to me was like okay, yeah, you, these characters are like trying to be the opposite of what is what is typically associated with Fire Island, yeah. but they are still very conventionally attractive people. And aside from one character. Um, and I, I mean, Bo and Yang is a little chubby, but like these are still, for the most part, very fit people. But yeah, so the only reason that they are able to go to Fire Island is is because of Margaret Cho's house. And so they go visit her, live on this island for a week, and it's sort of like a gay paradise for them, even though they are free to admit that they don't fit in. And there's like a couple scenes where they go to a rich person's house and they're everyone is like, who are you? Because they're all literally hot fit white entitled rich people staring down at this at this group of people that are poor and they're they're like we're not poor poor but we're never gonna be able to own a house kind of poor like that is what they're they establish as, as one of the <laughs> that is such that is such a relatable kind of poor like yeah like oh I, I can pay my rent and like i'm eating but like i don't have more than that right exactly and so so it's this, but it's also an adaptation of Pride and Prejudice. And so you have wait, like... Wait, what? Yeah. I yeah. did not know that. Yeah. It's it's basically Pride and Prejudice where Noah, uh, the, the character played by Joel Kim Booster, is narrating the events and we're following him and he's sort of like the, I want to have sex with everybody. And he has his friend Howie who is like... I just want to be a romantic and find love. And so his idea is that uh, Noah's idea is that he is not going to get laid until Howie gets laid this weekend or this, this trip. And then Howie meets this handsome white dude who is uh, conventionally attractive and is played uh, by, you never well, you never watched um, you, right? No. So James Scully was in you. He played 40, which is one of the characters in, in you. And he is the, the doctor oh. who, Oh, Oh, hello. Sorry, I'm looking at pictures. I'm looking at pictures to like give me to enrich my understanding. And he's um he's a cutie. Yeah, he's really hot. 
<laughs> he's very attractive. He really is. This whole ca- I mean, this whole cast, I was like, y'all are just way too cute for me. So, yeah, so he's trying to... So, Howie finds this guy, and he's trying to figure out if he's interested in, 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 in Howie. And meanwhile, uh, Charlie's friend, Will, who is played by Conrad Ricamora, who was in um, How to Get Away with Murder... I don't know if you ever saw that, okay. but he wasn't yeah. that. And he is the the standoffish like friend that's like no fun. And he and Noah start like bickering back and forth. And of course, everyone's gonna get together and yada yada romance. But um, it's basically Pride and Prejudice set at Fire Island, but and it's I a lot. Love, of fun. I love gay Pride and Prejudice set at Fire Island. <laughs> uh, and some of the reviews for this, like it puts the Pride and Pride and Prejudice. I'm like, no. Let's let's not do that. Let's let's not do that. <laughs> I had a bodily, I had a visceral, <laughs> you sure physical did. reaction to you saying that to me. I literally <laughs> just saw a headline that said that, and I was like, mm, no, no, let's not do that. You're not let's clever. Not say it puts pride and pride and prejudice though, because pri- anyway, you know what? We're not gonna. We all get it. We don't need to explain it. Oh, that's so exciting! I'm so glad it's good. I'm glad that we're getting yeah. a like a is a is it considered big? I feel like it's been getting a decent it's, amount of attention. Yeah, it's a shirt. It's a searchlight picture. I'm a little sad that it's not getting like a theatrical release. It's going oh, straight it's to not. Hulu. Okay, because is it the Billy Eichner like buddy thing? Like everyone's talking about that one being like Bros. the big. Cause- I Bros, cannot wait. Right. Yes. Oh my god, I cannot wait. The trailer for that had me like sold in an instant. Uh, I cannot wait for that to come out later this year. But yeah, F- Hulu next week. Fire Island. Watch it. It'll do your heart good. Yes. More gay, cute comedies. Is it cute? Like, is it cute? Like, it's like sweet, right? Like, it's, it's sweet. Just kind of. It's funny. Good. It's sweet. Has a little bit of sex in it. Like, it's um. there's there's like a couple big sex scenes. But like, yeah, it's it's cute. It's fun. It's a lot of fun. Cool. Definitely R-rated and very Love entertaining. Love that. Hey. A lot of abs for as much as the movie wants to make fun of this culture. There's a lot of abs in it. Well, I mean, they know they know what a lot of the gays want to also go see. <laughs> Uh, yeah you know what i mean like yeah and it is queer asian written and queer asian directed and that see that's that's what i also was going to say like looking at this cast it's like two asian gay asian leads like come on we don't ever see that like so regardless of the quality i feel like fucking hell yeah like we're getting these kinds of movies made and like i wish it was getting theatrical but also at least it'll be on hulu and more people can see it because i feel like Mm -hmm. people are taking hulu even more seriously now i feel like it's getting in terms of like their original content like i think they're really they're blowing netflix out of the water right now in my opinion um a lot of places are right now well yeah yeah netflix is really shit in the bed but whatever hey i'm i'm just happy that netflix renewed heartstopper for two more seasons because that was the queer show for my heart so i'm glad that that's at least getting two more but yeah uh this week from today go watch yeah be married and, um andrew on is a really awesome uh gay korean american filmmaker and he's directing mm-hmm. this so yeah he did spa night well i'm so glad it was good me too okay so let's talk about this um Horror comedy? There's definitely comedy to it. I'm glad you say this. I'm glad. I was... Okay, we'll talk about that. But I was like... But what did did we watch this week for our horror, and I'm putting this in in quotations, comedy movie? So we watched The Old Dark House, the 1932 original directed by James Whale, which is a pre-code horror movie, pre-Hayes Code. So it it was a little bit more risque than... Uh Which it is. We'll talk about it that. It surprised me. I know. But um, so the film takes place in an old dark house. Um, five strangers 
during a really bad storm to take shelter in this, ha- this house they find. It's two groups. It's a group of three and then a, a, a husband, a wife, and their friend. And then friend? <laughs> their friend. Friend? <laughs> I just did a fey mm-hmm. move. Uh-huh. Like- <laughs> yeah. Friend. And then another guy and his companion, who is also a man with his female companion, who he is mm-hmm. very platonically with. Mm-hmm. She's also a uh, chorus girl and implied that she's a sex worker of sorts. And it's amazing. And they, uh, this is weird. The the house is owned. Well, it's at first it's, it's owned by a very strange brother and sister. And this last name is Femme. 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 I was fucking dying. I was like, this "This movie is so gay. This movie is so fucking gay. A weird brother and sister duo the brother is horace so there's horace then there's his sister rebecca who is deaf as a doornail and then there's morgan their servant butler who is played by boris karloff Mm -hmm. um, and he can't speak and as the night goes on weird things start happening around the house and it is the exploits of this group trying to understand what is going on in this old dark house first off this is the most British horror comedy I've ever seen because it's like mm. it's got like these dry moments that mm. are funny, but it's not compared to Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, two very different brands of comedy. Oh, yeah. Very different. Like Abbott and Costello is like very much like sight gags and playing mm-hmm. into like very kind of like off when you think of comedy. Yeah. And then this one is, I think, much more a little bit more cerebral. I think it tries to be much smarter with its comedy. I think it's a little bit more like comedy and like satirical elements more yeah. than anything else. Like it feels very satirical mm-hmm. rather than like straight up like a comedy. Right. And it, it kind of took me by surprise because there, there when it opened up, there was some the dialogue was very snappy and it was back and forth. And I was like, OK, I can see this as being like cause it made me ch- chuckle a few times. There's like the yeah. car ride where they're going through the storm and the storm is really well done by the way like i was surprised at like how good this movie is because i'll be honest i've i've watched some movies because this came out in 1932 and i dracula came out in 1931 i want to say and dracula is very theatrical in that it feels like you're on a set for a lot of the a lot of the movie and this like opens up and it's very cinematic for a movie that i was surprised that was shot in 1932 considering the other movies i've seen at the time it's very cinematic it's has like action in the beginning there's an avalanche that almost pushes the car over they're driving through a water that's come up to the tops of the car they're bickering back and forth there's like it's it's i'm like i'm feeling this and then they get to the house and it's like this thing is beautifully shot it's so dark and like gothic and i wanted to live in this movie (laughs) there's a scene where margaret who is one of like the she's married to the guy driving at the beginning and she's mm-hmm. going to change in another room into like this ball gown and like diamond earrings which is like very <laughs> tells you what, what time period it is like uh-huh. i was like she's putting on her pjs and she's like putting on the heels and a dress and i'm like oh okay this is people got like dressed for dinner but rebecca was in there with her Rebecca? Rebecca, the, the older woman. And they're playing with reflections and distortion of reflections in mm-hmm. mirrors mm-hmm. in the creepiest way. And then Rebecca leaves the room and it's just Margaret left. After kind like of these... assaulting her? Yeah, after – yeah. Like – Like there is some sexual assault coding in this movie. Oh, yeah. But 
it's like this really weird, cool, like quick edited sequence of like faces in mirrors, but like in like mm-hmm. the seams of mirrors. So they're distorted in these really weird ways and the faces are split and it's gorgeous. Like it's it is gorgeous. such a beautifully shot movie. Like James Whale, holy shit. Like I haven't watched any of his movies. Like I know who he was and I knew mm-hmm. his impact, but I hadn't seen, I think, any of his movies. No, he did he do Dracula? No, he did Frankenstein. Frankenstein, that's right. I'm sorry. And his and the most famous, the Bride of Frankenstein, is like the big the, one. Right, yes, and he did um, the Invisible Man too. But holy shit! Like this movie is gorgeous. It's stunning. There's uh, and I kind of tweeted out a, a gif of this, but there's an image of um, of it's Margaret, and she's like looking outside. And Morgan's hand comes up above her head and grabs the door and just like closes it. And yes! it's like her sh- her shock and like horror and revulsion. And then it turns into almost like, again, with a sexual assault imagery where he's like chasing her around, <gasps> throwing like the table over and stuff. It's like there, it, this this movie is operating with some very interesting things that like in a few years when the Hayes Code comes out, wouldn't they would not get away with exploring. No, exactly. And like, so there's Pendrel is the the friend of the cu- of the first couple and he is like singing and he is like very kind of silly and he's the joke like he feels like in the car he felt like oh he's like the court jester that they're bringing mm. along to mm-hmm. like make funny jokes and stuff because do they really ex- do they explain his relationship to them at all did i miss just that? a friend i think okay, that's what i thought just their gay friend that's trying to be straight and then goes to the singer and is like you want to be my beard? <laughs> Basically, can you can we can we will you marry me? And you know, it's I, I felt like his character felt like a stand-in a bit for James Whale because James Whale wasn't in the military, and there's that aspect of trying to find a beard, trying to find someone to make it seem like you're you're not gay. And I I, I believe he was um I believe James Whale had like a partner, and it was like a, he was pretty. He was openly gay. It was like a quiet secret around Hollywood. Like people knew, but it wasn't a thing. But yeah, but the character, the, his character in this movie, felt like a stand-in for James Whale in, in a way to me, just Yo, like his, sure. with his with his history. Yeah, and like he's trying the whole time to be like the again the funny, cool, calm one that makes like little jokes and stuff, and mm-hmm. it, it feels like the token gay character you have mm-hmm. in horror. Later, except there's a lot of lot of queer coded people in this movie. Even like the the femmes. This is gayer than a lot of horror movies <laughs> that were like, released in the last couple decades. Seriously, like Horace is the prim and proper. I, I first I thought he was the butler, but he is like this prim and proper. Like his is he's very like limp wristed. His sister is very is is kind of like a stereotypical butch lesbian. Like that it seems to be like the caricatures that they're playing with here. Watching her eat in that in that dinner oh. scene where like everyone only has potatoes. Is it just everyone just has a potato? <laughs> the focus on the potatoes. Here, have a potato. That was so, and that to me was like some, that was like where a comedy, like these ridiculous situations uh-huh. where like, she's like shoving pickled onions down her goddamn throat <laughs> yeah. and like tearing bread apart. And they only have little boiled potatoes on their plate and drinking glasses of water. And I'm like, fascinating. And it's, it's mm-hmm. so, it's just like the vibe is so good there because it's just so weird. And like, it's just, these people don't seem like bad people, but they're definitely weirdos. Yeah. Because I was waiting for the, the shoe to drop with this. You know what I mean? Like, you come into uh-huh. this and you're like, okay, so one of, one of them's going to, like, throw out a knife. Like, Margaret's – not Margaret. Rebecca's going to, like, strangle somebody, right? 
Um, <laughs> I was like, yeah, she's going to be the crazy. But they set you up to expect that, mm-hmm. I think. Like, look at these two weird-ass siblings. Like, which one of them is – or is Morgan going to be, like, the kill? Well, he's a little bit more obvious. But anyway. What I what I loved watching this, though, was it kind of put it more into context some of the um, movies we'd get later. For instance, Rocky Horror Picture Show, which takes the the subtext in this movie and, like, the, the kind of subtle exploration of sexuality and, and gender – and takes it to obvious extremes. Like it is literally Rocky Horror starts as this movie. Yeah. Rad and Janet driving through, get in a storm, see the house, run up to it, find a, a fey man and his like um, assistant. Well, in that case, they're like Butler and, and like um, maid. But like I, these are these are characters that are obviously being referenced from this movie that Rocky Horror is doing. And there's another movie from 1975 called Thundercrack with an exclamation point. And I started thinking about this movie, too, because like I was watching this with all the subtitles on and every time there's thunder would say thundercrack thundercrack would be like the the subtitle for all the thunder and i was like okay so this is and that's another movie it's it's more of a sexual movie it's from it's from 1975 it's almost three hours long i mean here's the the premise of this is ridiculous with a killer gorilla on the loose a group of strangers (laughs) find themselves stranded at a remote mansion of a grieving mad woman one dark and stormy night they indulge in swapping bizarre personal backstories and body fluids like it's a (laughs) it's a sexual movie but again it is it is kind of a parody um an adult porn parody of oh it's dark house um i believe so i oh that's why it's not on letterboxd like where's where's thundercrack yeah i i believe it is i i I own it i think synapse did a blu-ray full copy of it and i started watching it and it i just wasn't in the mood to watch it so and it again it's a three-hour movie yeah, pornographic black horror comedy. Huh. Cool. But then, okay, we also, let's talk about the elephant in the room, a.k.a. the man locked in a fucking ba- attic. <laughs> yeah. Which, to me, also screams queer to me yeah. as, like, oh, we keep the the uh, shameful son locked away mm-hmm. in the attic, away from everybody else, because he's a pyromaniac. Mm-hmm. And in love with Morgan, maybe? And oh, Yeah, also in love with Morgan. Because Morgan sa- like tries to save him. Yeah. And cries when he's holding his body and carries him. Like Frankenstein will eventually carry, you know, people in his arms. Like the- there's definite illusions here. And then the idea, his name is Saul. And he talks about Saul loved David, but Saul was afraid of David. Like there is, there is a lot of like gay being like projected in this movie mm-hmm. with those, especially with those characters. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. 100%. And the father's played by a woman. I, that's okay. I was going to confirm that because I was like, that seems. But then, like, oh, the campy fucking laugh. Like the hee 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 hee. Mm-hmm. Like... Mm-hmm. I just love that. Yeah, wow. I wasn't expecting how, for how gay this movie was. Yeah, it wasn't either. Which is which is weird because last year for I think it was last year for um, Pride, someone actually wrote about this movie for uh, Gaily Helpful. I thought someone had written about this because I remember I was like, for I had some image in my head that someone had written about this as queer, and I couldn't remember. And I I think that is what I'm thinking of. Yeah, it was C. H. Newell um, who wrote for 2020, so two years ago. Um, okay wrote about this this movie in particular this movie and and rocky horror and we can not to self-promote but we can put that no, in the show notes my dudes i'm editing this one i'll do what i want <laughs> yeah there you go <laughs> but yeah i'm really glad we watched this for a lot of reasons yeah. 
I'm glad to finally like check this off of a box because I've wanted to I see know. this for so long. Oh, and I don't know, like Pride Month is around the corner and it's kind of nice to like be reminded that queerness has existed for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of the rhetoric that we're a lot of the rhetoric we're seeing now, the hateful rhetoric is that like trying to push some weird thing that like queerness and all these identity like identity politics and how and I say that in the way like Republicans like to say it about how like it's such a new thing and it's weird but it's like it's been around forever since the dawn of cinema filmmakers have been talking about this stuff and like it's just wild it's just like it's not even subtle (laughs) like it's not even (laughs) subtle so it just like baffles me when people say and like watching movies like this just solidifies in my head just like just come on like people queer people have been making art forever like I don't know. It just it ba- it blows the mind when people say things like that. And they're like, people just want to be queer now. I'm like, hey, I like your shirt. Oh yeah, horror is queer. Yeah. <laughs> I recorded of which. a video for Pride Month today, so I had to wear it because of course, duh. But that's me on my high horse. I just get fresh. I just am so frustrated with everything, and I'm like, everything is gay. Let it be gay. <laughs> What's the next? What's next up on the horror comedy docket for us, Terry? Okay, so we are fast forwarding a few years because, like, we last last week we did Abbott, and then we kind of backed it up a bit because we're like, wait, we should do this in order. Um, but now we're jumping forward to early fifties, nineteen fifty one, and covering the classic Arsenic and Old Lace, which is definitely thought was an Agatha Christie novel. Uh, it's not. <laughs> 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 no, it's not. But it, it is based on a play, and the play, I think I've seen the play, but I've never seen this movie. So I'm I'm looking forward to watching I'm this. I'm also one. very excited for it. Who are we chatting with on Monday, Mary Beth? Whew. So on Monday, we are chatting with writer, director, and producer Luke Boyce, whose film Revealer hits Shutter next month, uh, and we t- <laughs> we talked. A wild Christian <laughs> propaganda film about the rapture called A Thief in the Night. I love this podcast because people pick shit like this to talk about. Yeah. And we get to talk about it. And it's just so neat. And I love it. Um, it's wild. Um, there's a lot of re- discussion about religious I don't know if trauma is the right word, but Terry, for you, it might be religious trauma. <laughs> yeah, if you all remember, uh, you know, a good primer for the, for my part of this episode is to go back and watch our episode with Robbie Banfitch where we talked about the changeling because my girlfriend from high school comes back in this movie. She's back, baby. More than you would ever have expected in your adult life, no. Terry. <laughs> I know. I was like, good God. <laughs> She's always with you. <laughs> I've thought about her more in the last few months than I have in like the last 20 years. Like, Jesus. <laughs> Thanks, podcasting. Processing our trauma. I know. Oh my gosh. But this was like this this movie is is fucking wild. I really recommend maybe getting high or drinking, whatever your choice is, and watching this film. I think it's on Tubi. I think that's how we watched it. Yeah, it's it's pretty easy to find, which is shocking. Like yeah. Which is a shocking thing, but it just, it's like a, and it's also, if you have a group of friends and you guys want to watch something wild and just drink and laugh, you have to watch this one. It's only like an hour long. It's not long. It's so short. It feels a little long, but it's very short. It feels long. Um, A lot of singing about Jesus Christ. So, oh my God. (laughs) Ready up those crosses, motherfuckers, because Jesus is here. Oh, man. 
but this was a fun conversation and it was it was yeah I, this movie uh, you just gotta experience it you have to it's incredible anyway everybody you've heard from us we want to hear from you did you watch or play something that we talked about this week and have thoughts do you have suggestions for classic horror comedies we should talk about uh, send us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com, or you can reach out to us directly on Twitter. I am at MB McAndrews. And I'm at Gailey Dreadful. And seriously, if you have horror comedy recommendations between like the 50s and the 80s in particular, please get at us because um, we are like literally throwing darts at a, at a board of like horror comedy Wikipedia lists. Yeah. So. We're kind of like feeling around in the dark. Because mm-hmm. it's neither of our expertise. And I'm glad we're doing it, but we're just like, uh, this this has a funny title. Let's watch it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, if there's anything that we really should talk about, please let us know. Uh, and of course, don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter at Scarred Podcast. And please don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe, because we are still at 95 reviews and ratings. Well, so I guess I don't have to tweet 100 pictures of my cat anymore. No, you sure don't. Not my uh, birthday's not in... tomorrow when yeah. this podcast goes up. Yeah, so unless... On Friday, when this drops, if you people get out there and give us five more ratings, then Mary Beth will have to hold up uphold her bare part of the bargain. So yep. it's up to you. Power's in your yeah. hand and your phone. <laughs> Thank you to Eric Power for our artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our music. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. Please stay safe out there. Please take care of yourselves. Please rally as hard as you can against all of the ridiculous injustices happening in the United States of America. But most of all, Stick creepy. And until next time. Somebody please think of the children. When you want to have fun and have scratchers to scratch, there's a playful way you can do just that. Scratch with the key or acrylic nail. Scratch with the quill from a porcupine tail. Use a belt buckle from your friend Lamar. Or scratch with your pick while you play guitar. You can scratch in a bunch of different playful ways. Scratchers from the California lottery. A little play can make your day. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player claim. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. ACAST.com.